Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast, Grab It Quick News. This is the second to the last episode of season four of this podcast. And as always, I want to give a huge thanks to everybody who's listening. Big shout out to the friends who are writing me. We're in the second week and the first month of 2021. January. January has restored in us some sense of getting our balance back with this new normal, but this month has just begun and it feels like so much has taken place. I urge everyone to continue to stay strong and safe. We have a few more battles to fight together and it's more important than ever for us to take care of one another and ourselves. All right, let's get started. Gentle reminder, if you are not 18 or older, you should not be listening to this without your parents' consent. Let's get it. Calls mount for decriminalization of sex work. More researchers are making the case to decriminalize sex work, joining calls by other advocates who say doing so might improve public health outcomes. In December, health experts, legal scholars, and advocates released a report that focused on decriminalizing sex work in Washington, D.C., where sex work is punishable by fines or jail time. It's some of the latest research suggests that criminalizing prostitution can lead to dangerous health outcomes for sex workers. There is considerable evidence from public health researchers that criminalization of sex work contributes to community violence, propagates crime, blocks access to public health resources, is an ineffective deterrent to participation in sex work, and is deeply harmful to sex workers, according to an executive summary of the report. Advocates of decriminalization argue that criminalizing sex work puts workers in constant fear of the police, making them less likely to ask for help if they face danger from a client. Workers may worry about being arrested or about facing violence or solicitation from law enforcement officers themselves. They also say it makes it harder for sex workers to access social services, welfare benefits, and health care. When sex work is decriminalized, advocates say it improves the safety of sex workers by allowing them to organize themselves and operate more freely. It also may help prevent the spread of STDs, removing sex workers' concerns that they could be arrested merely for carrying condoms and giving them more power to set rules with clients about their contraceptives. It additionally can empower sex workers to see health and social service providers without fear of police or judgment. Sex workers will be seen first as criminals, says Joanne Set, an associate professor of population and family health at Columbia University's Irving Medical Center. There are many places in the world where health workers feel the obligation to actually turn them over to the police or somehow to report them as criminals. Advocates say that there is a clear example of how the approach can improve the health of sex workers. That is because from 2003 to 2009, in Rhode Island, indoor prostitution was taking place in massage parlors, strip clubs, and online escort services. They were effectively decriminalized in that state, thanks to a legal loophole that provided a snapshot of what loosening restrictions on sex work could look like for public health. <laughs> 
To that end, an analysis by researchers at Baylor University and UCLA indicates that Rhode Island saw a 31% decrease in reported rapes and a nearly 40% decrease in cases of female gonorrhea from 2004 to 2009 among the overall population. Arrests for prostitution also decreased. In a separate report, the ACLU notes arrests themselves can involve extreme violence and lead to violence of imprisonment. Rhode Island's decriminalization policy is why Bella Robinson ended up there. Robinson has been in sex work since her teens. She started in Florida and later moved to New Jersey. It was there that she was arrested and incarcerated on prostitution charges in 2007. After leaving prison her second stint after serving time in 89, Robinson heard from a client that sex work was legal in Rhode Island. I googled it, I packed my house, and I moved to Rhode Island, says Robinson, who uses that name in Instead of her legal name for work. However, in 2009, sex work was recriminalized by the state of Rhode Island. That same year, Robinson founded the Rhode Island chapter of Call Off Your Old Tired Ethics, Coyote, a national grassroots network calling for the end of criminalization of sex work. Robinson's advocacy for decriminalization was only strengthened the next year when the police on Long Island, New York, found the bodies of four women who were sex workers and began hunting for that killer. The news was chilling to Robinson, who believes that criminalization was forcing workers to operate in unsafe conditions. Robinson believes shame and stigma prevent sex workers from accessing crucial health care, such as substance uses, services, or even mental health treatment. When you shame people who were poor for engaging in sex work, it's psychologically damaging, she says. She also thinks decriminalization would lead to more condom use, saying many sex workers are scared to carry condoms out of fear police will search and arrest them for carrying the contraceptive. In California and New York City, sex workers have won major victories after officials banned the use of condoms found on a person as evidence of sex work. A changing tide. Internationally, there's been a growing movement to decriminalize sex work. Sweden was one of the first countries to decriminalize prostitution, penalizing buyers of sex but not those selling it, while New Zealand in 2003 allowed both aspects. An approach Amnesty International, the largest human rights group in the world, called for in 2016. Guidelines from the World Health Organization also recommended that countries work toward decriminalization. Momentum has also picked up in the U.S., where progressives on Capitol Hill have taken up the cause. Rep. Ro Khanna, a Democrat from California, spearheaded a bill in late 2019 to require the Department of Health and Human Services to conduct a federal study on the health and safety of sex workers in connection with what some consider a flawed anti-sex trafficking law and to build the case for decriminalization. That same year, Rep. Ayanna Presley, a Democrat from Massachusetts, proposed a resolution calling to decriminalize sex work. Neither measure moved forward to the floor. Without concrete federal action, efforts to decriminalize sex work have fallen to community activists. In New York, state legislation was introduced in 2019 to decriminalize sex work, but ultimately failed. In Washington in 2019, the D.C. Council failed to advance a decriminalization bill. Calls to decriminalize 
criminalized sex work have been controversial both in the U.S. and abroad, with some arguing that the industry is innately oppressive to women, and even those who agree that prostitution should be without penalty have disagreements over how to handle the people who pay for the services. Some advocates believe paying for sex should still be a crime, embracing what is often called the Nordic model, an approach enacted in Sweden, Norway, and Iceland. But others, including many sex workers and authors of the DC Focus report, believe that partial decriminalization only pushes sex workers to take greater risks to protect their clients. It makes them increasingly vulnerable to violence from buyers, and it does little to combat the stigma associated with the work. Women who worked on the street used to have safe spots where they would tell the clients to drive. Now clients say no because of the police. They want to go someplace else remote. How can women be safe there? Sex work in the nation's capital, a local spotlight on national trends, though focusing on the stories of sex works in the district, the report from Whitman Walker, Georgetown, and Hips shines a light on the specific health challenges facing many sex workers. Co-authors Benjamin Brooks and Sean Bland relied on interviews with three focus groups of 27 sex workers who were mostly black and either transgender women or gay or bisexual men among young gay and bisexual American men. Black men accounted for 40, 42% of new HIV cases in 2018. For the report, sex workers described their experiences with incarceration and violence from both police and clients. Participants recognized they were at risk of contracting HIV or other STDs, but said they encountered barriers to prevention, including discomfort among some with disclosing their sex work to providers, a potential barrier to preventative services. They look at you kind of funny, one anonymous sex worker said when describing visiting a healthcare provider. Because of all the stigma and bias are related to sex work, you may not go, you may not mention that you do sex work. Sex workers can also face challenges in storing or taking HIV medications, with one participant noting that unstable housing due to legal troubles may mean people are less inclined to carry their pills with them but have nowhere to put them. Another discussed the issue of losing access to medication after being incarcerated in connection to sex work. In the district, minority and LGBTQ people face higher rates of bias-motivated crimes with 61% of suspected hate crimes classified as being motivated by sexual orientation and 39% being classified as motivated by race. Yet interactions with law enforcement are also still a concern. Tamika Spellman, a policy and advocacy associated with HIPS, says her worst interactions while she was a sex worker were with the police. Everywhere that I have been across the country, I have been sexually assaulted by a police. It was more frequent here in the District of Columbia, says Spellman, who is a black transgender woman. Sex work needs to be decriminalized, she says. Without doing so, violence flourishes. This is a follow-up story about the bodybuilder and the sex doll. Bodybuilder cheats on sex doll wife with bizarre object while she's getting repaired. Yuri Telekocho 
from Kazakhstan married Dal Margo last November after saying he fell in love when he spotted her at a nightclub. But he had to send her away for repair after breaking before Christmas. A bodybuilder who married a sex doll cheated with the bizarre object while she was being repaired. Yuri from Kazakhstan says that he has broke Margot days before Christmas and had to send her for repair. In the meantime, he has posted a video on Instagram of himself touching a silver object with small ridges in nothing but his underwear. Yuri told his 99,000 followers, look like I've got a new passion. And one follower replied, hey, are you cheating on your wife? And Yuri said, maybe. I can't stand while she's in the hospital. Social media said, you got to spread your seed. Another Instagram follower added, somehow I don't think your wife would have much to say about it all anyway. Commenting on the video, Yuri also insisted to his followers that it was wonderful. Yuri tied the knot with Margot at a ceremony attended by dozens of guests in November. He first met her at a nightclub and the pair were due to get married in March this year before the coronavirus pandemic threw the world into turmoil. The ceremony was delayed a second time after he was attacked during a transgender rally at the Kazakh city of Almaty in October 31st. However, the pair has since settled in married life. Describing their relationship, Yuri said, In general, I began to be jealous of Margot. Many men would like to imagine the same. After the wedding, I decided to show her less to people. I forbade her from Instagram. I did this a long time ago. Maybe I'm just being selfish, but that's the beauty beauty of Margot. What I can do this to her and she won't mind. On Christmas Day, January 7th in Kazakhstan, he said he might stay at home with Margot and order steaks and sushi or have some fun with friends. In the meantime, Yuri has to wait for her to get repaired. He added, she's broken. Now she's being repaired. She's in another city. When she recovers, it will be a gift for both of us. Adult performers fear war on porn after Visa, MasterCard, and Discover block use on Pornhub. After recent moves by payment platforms like Visa, MasterCard, and Discover, they cut off access to Pornhub, the world's largest porn site. Several sex workers said that they fear an oncoming war on porn that prevents them from making money for their work. Eight adult performers, four of whom sell content on Pornhub, told NBC News that the payment company's latest actions hurt them financially far more than they hurt Pornhub. It's especially destructive, they said, at a time when they have few other financial options. The payment companies blocked the use of their cards on the site last week after a New York Times investigation into Pornhub on December the 4th found that the site was infested with videos depicting child sexual abuse, rape, and revenge porn. Alana Evans, president of the adult Performers Actors Guild, a union representing porn actors and a veteran porn star who sells videos on Pornhub, said the company's actions were particularly distressing coming in the middle of a pandemic. Thousands of people have turned to this type of online sex work to feed their families, and this move is affecting those moms who just want to buy diapers and milk. Pornhub, which was visited 42 billion times in 2019, is such a major player in the porn industries that sex workers say they have little choice but to work on it if they want to promote their business. 
Pornhub's parent company, MindGeek, has consolidated enormous power within the adult entertainment industry through its network of YouTube-like sites that aggregate professional and amateur porn, known as the Tube sites, including YouPorn and RedTube, as well as production studios such as Reality Kings and Brazzers. It's one of many companies in the adult space that is exploitative and problematic in a number of ways, but people have to use them to make money, said an East Coast-based dominatrix who goes by the name of Bardo Smith, noting that Pornhub has essentially become the default search engine for adult content. If you search for Pornstar's name, it's more likely you'll get results from Pornhub and other tube sites than their private sites. It creates a monopoly on search traffic adult content, so people are left with no choice but to interact. Sex workers and followers of Pornhub say that the company historically has made money by offering a vast free-to-access collection of videos uploaded by professional and amateur creators, as well as a paid-for-premium content. It also sells advertising on the site and subscriptions to a premium ad-free version, as well as takes a cut from the sale of paid-to-view videos uploaded by verified creators. A day after MasterCard and Visa cut ties with Pornhub and MindGeek, Discovered followed suit on Friday, telling NBC News that it had terminated Discover Card acceptance at Pornhub.com. Sex workers make money from porn sites when customers pay for services with their credit cards, but since customers are currently not able to make any purchases on the site, adult performers say the company's move have cut off a legal source of income. Suspending Visa and MasterCard payments only prevents consensual adult sex workers from earning money on the site, said a California-based performer who goes by the name of Mary Moody. She said she has been making $1,000 to $2,000 a month selling videos as a high-ranking performer. Visa did not respond to her request for comment on the impact of their decision. MasterCard chose to, and it stood by its policy. Our decision was based on an internal investigation that confirmed violations of our standards prohibiting unlawful content on their site. A company spokesperson, Seth Eisen, said in a statement, as we noted last week, we continue to investigate potential illegal content on other sites that have been referred to us in order to take the appropriate action. In a statement, a belated statement, Pornhub described the credit card network's crackdown as exceptionally disappointed since it came two days after the adult website instituted the most far-reaching safeguards in user-generated platform history. After the Times investigation, Pornhub restricted video uploads to verified users and removed the site's download function, which allows deleted content to easily resurface. The company said it was also expanding its content moderation team to identify potentially illegal material. It also said that starting in the new year, it would scrub out all videos that weren't from official content partners who publish their video collections or members of its models program who can sell their individual videos as of Monday. The site has removed about 10 million of its 13 million videos pending verification and review. But professional sex workers on the site say they have requested these features for years because their paid content has been stolen and republished on the exact same site. It's that special time in my podcast where it's our letters to Jessica. So let's get started. Our first letter is from a male in Texas who writes, My girlfriend moved to be with me and go to school out here. It's been three months and she has not gotten a job. The strain of her not working and acting a little down has me feeling like maybe this was a bad idea. Do you have any advice? Well, male in Texas, I want to say... 
congratulations on you guys moving in together. Moving in together can be very, very stressful. And I want to talk about some stressors that we have. Okay, so she's going to school, to a new school. That's a stressor. She moved. That's a stressor. Depending on how far away, that's another stressor. So... I don't know if you guys had a discussion or not about how soon she would get a job, but sometimes what happens when you move to a new place is you get there and your timetable doesn't necessarily line up with the timetable of the state that you live in. But I'm going to say this, if you guys did not have this discussion about how long, you know, how long it was before she got a job, you can't really be mad at her. You just have to kind of, my bad, and then let's reset. But if you were like, babe, you know, we're going to plan this out. You're going to move down here. We're going to move together. We're going to hustle together. And then, you know, you got to get a job in three months. And then if you don't get a job in three months, then this is what we need to do. If that conversation didn't happen, it needs um, it needs to be kind of addressed. So, um If you have not addressed it, this is the perfect time where, babe, you know, I have enjoyed you being here. It's, you know, if there's anything else I can do for you, just let me know. But, you know, I need you to contribute financially to this household. And that needs to be a conversation that you have with a partner. You know, if you're living together, if you guys are having a a goal, a common goal, it's always nice to be able to communicate openly and honestly and let the other person know like, hey, I'm feeling a little strained here. Um, You're acting a little down. Is everything okay? Um, And then another thing is she could just be homesick. So it could just be a matter of you getting her ass in the car, blindfolding her and driving her to see her mom and dad or contacting them and having them fly down and just having that you know, energizer that gets you. Because, you know, I've moved to a couple places and, you know, I won't lie. Um, you know, I've, I've moved there with really vigor of him. Like, I'm going to do this shit. And then you get there and you're like, oh my God, this isn't what I expected. And it can kind of, you know, get you down. So just remember that. I think that it isn't a bad idea. I just think that you guys probably didn't have a really, you know, set blueprint. And now that you guys are in it, you've got to have a blueprint. Now, if you have already said it in your mind that you want to get out of this relationship, you need to do this in a very peaceful way. Since you got her to move out there, you need to be the one to move her back. Yeah, you can't just leave her, abandon her, because not only is that a dick move, but it's also super traumatic for her. She gave up everything. And that's what you have to remember. She gave up her social network for you. She gave up her support for you. So if you cannot support her now with the stressors that's going on with you guys, because it sounds like you guys are still young love. She moved for college, you know. So the best thing that you need to do is you need to contact her parents and you need to contact your parents and you need to make that move if you're going to if you're going to ask her to leave. But at the end of the day, if you love this girl and you want to work it out and she's already got accepted into the school and she moved down there with you, it sounds like the next step is to get a job. And if she can't, then you need to support her until she does because there are not a lot of girls out there who would just up and just move for you and then be able to get into the school there. It's a big thing. All right, so just let me know how it goes. Thanks so much for the letter.
My second letter is from a female in Chicago. She writes, Dear Jessica, why do men lie about their body count? He asked me what mine was when we got together and I told him. He told me that his was four. We broke up recently because he said he could not trust me even though I never cheated on him. He shows up to my spot uninvited and then confesses that he is a virgin when I met him. I am so pissed. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well... I guess this right here proves that, you know, men lie about silly shit too, just like women. I think a big thing is uh, men don't ever want to seem weak or seem like they're not macho enough. And sometimes when a man is a virgin, women look at them different. Like, you're a virgin at this age. You should have been got into some pussy. You know what I mean? Like, they kind of get haggled about it. And women, we don't necessarily get haggled about it. But when we say, I'm a virgin, men automatically assume that, oh my God, she's a virgin. She wants to get married. When that's not necessarily the case, it could just be, I'm waiting on the right one. Or I haven't found what I'm looking for quite yet. You know what I mean? So... At the end of the day, I feel like men lie about their body count. It's always two reasons, to brag in front of their friends or to lie to their girl. (laughs) And unfortunately, that's kind of the world we live in. Um, I have never lied about my body count. I have always wanted people to know my body count because I'm proud of that fucking body count. Yeah, body them. (laughs) But some people aren't. Some people get very, you know, and even when I was a virgin, I was not um, shy about telling people like, hey, I'm a virgin. Just hasn't hit me yet, but I'm a virgin. So, I mean, that's, you know, how we all need to be, I think, you know, when it comes to sexuality is just wherever you're at on the sexuality spectrum, whether you're a virgin, whether you're experienced, whether you are a highly trained professional, (laughs) um, we all just need to, you know, be honest with it. Because when you're honest about where you're at um, on any level of spectrum, when you own that truth, then the universe rewards you by honoring the truth so had he told I'm sure pretty sure had he told you he was a virgin you may not have said no but you may have whined and dined him you know what I mean maybe gave him a little voyage and treatment so that way uh you know his first time was amazing um and that's how the universe works unfortunately it just rewards what you send out so if you lie about your body count then you're gonna come up with that I really hate that he showed up on your job or showed up that was crazy uninvited you may want to talk to him about that any man showing up angry uninvited to my spot hello ring 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 the law is on the way (laughs) but yes I mean yes you should be mad but don't feel so bad about it I mean if anything you guys just may need to have a discussion because it seems like um He couldn't trust you because maybe he was intimidated by the experience that you had. And I'm going to be honest, you only had, you know, it doesn't say what your body count was, but it does does show that maybe he was a little intimidated and he didn't want to say it because, you know, you said you broke up because he couldn't trust you, even though you never cheated on him. But when you tell somebody your body count, always expect a little residue, even when they even when guys do the I'm cool, no, I'm fine. This shit don't bother me. It bothered him. (laughs) It really bothered him. But he's not going to say that. So you guys may want to have a conversation. You may want to reintroduce yourself. He may want to reintroduce himself. You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, I knew you as the guy with the body count of four. 
I need to know you as the guy that I've taken the virginity. You know what I mean? Like, you may want to revisit that if that's something you want to do. I mean, you broke up. He broke up with you, honey. So, you know what I'm saying? You ain't got to do shit. (laughs) Thanks so much for the letter. Our last and final letter comes from a female in Pennsylvania, and she writes, Dear Jessica, I've been dating a man for the past nine months. Jessica, I cannot lie. He has his shit together, (laughs) and I would have been okay taking it to the next level, if you know what I mean. But yesterday, I found out that he is married. Though I haven't confronted him yet, I feel like he will never bring it up. How do I bring it up in a mannerable way without cussing him out? Or should I just leave it alone and ghost him? Ooh, y'all let it. You know what I've noticed? Y'all love to ghost somebody. <laughs> y'all are cold-blooded. Like, ghost, nigga, gone. Look, I've never ghosted. I'm, you know I'm lying. I have ghosted some folks. All right. But probably not as much as you guys. So, you've been dating him for the past nine months. So, he's a good one. And I say that as not a compliment, but he's a good little sneak because you've been dating this guy for nine months and you didn't know he was married. So I would assume that y'all are having those really, because married men usually hit you with them really nice dates. You know what I'm saying? So you're blinded by it anyway. Like, oh my God, I've never been to this restaurant. This is a jazzy spot. Yeah, he's going to keep you distracted. So you really like him. And now you said he had his shit together. So I'm going to ask you, does he have a shit together? Yeah, he married. And from this, I think he's married, married. And I'm going to be honest with you, just GF to GF. This letter does not read to me that you want to cuss him out. This letter reads to me like you really dig, you dug this fucking guy. And if he would have just said, hey, I'm married, you may have approached him a different way. And yet, hey, I get it. No, I'm not saying it's okay to marry a, to date a married man. That is not my preference. I, you know, respect the institution of marriage, and I'm not that kind of girl. I mean, I just believe in karma, but hey, to each his own. So if that's your thing, girl, that's your thing. Nobody can judge you for that. And nobody, you know what I mean? It takes two to play this game. So it can't be, you know, you're a homewrecker and he's a dog. You know what I'm saying? You can't put that stigma on this. It's you liked him. You didn't know he was married and now you do. And that has changed the course of this relationship. Whether that's changed this course of the relationship for the good or the bad, only time will tell that. Because I'll tell you one thing. I The reason I don't really like married men is because it feels to me like it's a selfish situation. Yeah. Like, yeah, I respect the institution of marriage. Yeah, I don't want that karma. But even push that aside, if that had nothing to do with it, just think about all of the time you spend waiting on him. And I know you're going to tell me right now, well, Jessica, I'm not waiting on him like that. This is nine months of us just being happy, happy, happy. But first off, if he's married, you don't know what fucking lie he's been telling his wife that has gotten him this much leeway and this much time. Let's be real. 
So this whole seeing him every day, three times a week or however long you see him, this shit could end immediately and you are confined to seeing this nigga maybe once or twice or he sneaks off and maybe calls you, hits you up with some video time and then every time he promises to see you, some shit keeps coming up because it's quote unquote work. I'm just throwing this out here because that is what I think about when people tell me I'm dating a married man. I think about someone who constantly is giving someone an excuse to duck and dodge to be with someone else. Yep. And then I think, do I want that in my life? Because the number one thing I always tell people is don't play with my money and don't play with my time because you can't get time back. You just can't. And I, I don't want to ever sit around and think, damn, I wasted three years with a married man. And out of that almost a thousand days, the only thing I got to see from him was, you know, maybe a week together. And you have to think about stuff like that because that's the truth. Like, what what did I do to be in this position? And... You know, maybe you got blindsided a little bit and maybe now you need to go back in your mind, retrace the steps, retrace each date where maybe there was a flag and you missed it because he had you blindsided because now you know he's married. And once you know he's married, the ball is in your court. So what do you want to do? So now we go to the question. You want to know... How do you bring it up mannerable without cursing him out? Unfortunately, he, if you know he's not going to bring it up, then you have to know that there's going to be a chance that he's not going to be forthcoming to you when you ask him. And if you have already prepared that in your mind, that when I ask him, hey, are you married? And he says no. That's going to be your cue. If he says no, are you going to allow him to pretend like he's still not married? And then you play this game with him and it turns into a game now. It's not even about whether you love him or not. Now you just want to pin his ass. Or when he says no, how are you going to go on and say, no, I know for a fact that you are married? Because then when you say, I know for a fact that you are married, he's going to want you to prove evidence. And then you're, you're going to have to prove evidence without bringing up anybody's name. And even then, he's going to refute that evidence. So you've got to really be strong in your mind. And you really need to make a decision whether he's married or not. Because the conversation is going to go like this. Hey, I know that you're married. So I just need you to be honest with me and tell me the situation. That's how you do that in a mannerable way. Because you wanting to do it in a mannerable way means that you want to continue the relationship. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Does he deserve a cuss out? Yes. I mean, let's be honest here. You could cuss his ass out and get away with it because he's, hell, he's married. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, motherfucker, you're married. Run it. Give me the credit card. Thank you, honey. You already know (laughs) something. But hey, that's my advice. Take it or leave it. Thanks so much for the letter.
So in 2021, we're going to do a little something different at the end of my podcast. We're going to do something called takeaways from this episode. So takeaways from today's episode. The first is sex work is real work and people who work in it should be entitled to basic human rights like everyone else. Takeaway from this episode number two, love comes in all forms. And as long as it isn't hurting anyone, it should be accepted with little judgment. Takeaway number three, as an adult film star who's watched the rise of Pornhub, I'm often reminded of a quote, social parasites and criminals are stranger to positive beliefs. Their religion is to do anything to serve their needs. Bad behavior, like a parasite, cannot thrive without a compliant host. Well, that's all the time we have. I need your support, Team Grabbit. If you value the free and paid content that I've delivered over the years, please consider subscribing to my accounts or my official website, jessicagrabbit.com today. If you're already a subscriber, now's a great time to use the tip me feature on this Anchor app, as well as the other sites that I have. Send me an Amazon gift card or refer 10 friends that you know that will benefit from my service. Remember, Every contribution, big or small, will ensure that I am able to produce content in the years to come. One day soon, this crazy era of social distancing and hunkering down at home will be behind us. And I'll be back working out at the gym at 6.30 a.m. and camming my regular 10 to 11 a.m. shift. And I know all of you are having fantasies about getting immersed in some of the -the out-of-the-house activities once again. But for now... Every one of us needs alternative ways to escape, and I aim to be that escape. So long, and remember, be good or be good at it. Until next time, bye.